It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, mom. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. Especially when the season get hectic. I stay waiting on it like receiving a Nets pick. Nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth you might even hear a story on Gigi. So in depth they might do an hour about the D-League. So in depth you probably should pay him but it's a freebie. Yeah, John Corrales and J. King. Locked on trying to get the 18th ring. So you can miss me with the blah blah. No more Geno time. We watching Jay do the Zaza. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making us part of your daily routine. We join you today after the Celtics preseason debut, a win 94-80 over the Charlotte Hornets, who look pretty terrible. Uh, Lots of fun things to talk about from tonight's game. Uh, Daniel Tice, looking like a Hall of Famer. Uh, (laughs) Some fun things from the other guys. Uh, Sam Jam Packer joins me. John Corrales, we're the Rain and Jays. Sam is at the TD Garden, having witnessed this. So, uh, initial thoughts from you, Sam, after uh, this amazing preseason win. I'm pretty devastated that I didn't get to hear uh, Tommy Heinsohn <laughs> talk about Aaron Baines in the shower live. I just had to kind of relive it on Twitter. That was my biggest reaction, but it was really my first reaction. To that it's great to have basketball back. Yeah. I mean, it's been so long. We've had a fake whatever scrimmage thing that was last night, but it's just really great to be back in the garden to see the Celtics playing. And um, for the first half of basketball where you had the actual lineup in, it was lots of reasons to be excited. It's just I thought the offense showed uh, potential, a lot of great uh, open looks, open shots. And I think, man, this combination of Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward and Al Horford is going to be a good is my take. That's that's a hot take right there. Those guys are going to be good. Uh, I loved I loved Al Horford tonight. I really just think he was he just looked fluid. He just looked like himself. There was no real kind of uh, hesitation. So I think Al Horford. A lot of things are going to get kind of missed in this with all of the so many guys played, and there's basically two different games that went on for the Celtics: the first half and the second half. My first thing is that I saw Al Horford out there and loved what I saw. The, then the, the next thing I had was there was a lot of great passing, and then there was, beyond that, a little too much passing, which I think is to be expected when you have so many guys trying to kind of maybe overcompensate for not knowing each other. You want to pass a lot to make you know to, to build that relationship. So I think... 
the overpassing is going to start to go away with each consecutive game. And we'll start to see a little bit more on Friday and in the next couple of preseason games. We'll start to see a little bit more of what this offense is trying to do. I saw them try to get a a few different times uh, back picks for Gordon Hayward going to the rim, which once they start figuring that out, we're going to start seeing Gordon Hayward alley-oops catching those alley-oops or catching backdoor cuts, uh, which will be a lot of fun. I saw one time where Kyrie was he, – he got the ball to Al Horford in the post and then went around, and Horford was expecting him to kind of go to the basket. And then Kyrie just stopped in the lane and looked to kind of sort of post up in the lane. So those things are going to work themselves out. Once those little minor things start to happen, we're going to start seeing what I can already tell is going to be a fun Celtics offense. Yeah, the thing that excited me the most about the Celtics office was the uh, potential to play the kind of the inside-outside game, especially with Horford in that high post. We saw it um, with that first Kyrie dunk, just the simple give-and-go. But I think if you, you spread the floor and you put Kyrie on one side and Hayward on the other and put Horford in the middle, just his basketball IQ and his ability to kind of just move the ball just inside-outside and have the uh, defense collapse – the Celtics are going to get a lot of open shots. Now, the one thing that concerned me early is just about the starting lineup is they had a lot of open shots, and maybe this is definitely reading way too much into the preseason, but they don't have a lot of guys uh, on this team who, who are, like, knocked down, like, three-point shooters. So that Like, that is their main um, attribute is just being able to catch and shoot. Like, Hayward and Kyrie are both pretty good three-point shooters, but I, I think of them as more kind of off-the-dribble players um, we saw Slim Marcus tonight, who was money from deep, which was uh, shocking. He also followed some of those shots up with uh, some some near air balls, which is classic Marcus. But I just don't I don't know if the three point shooting is there. Um, and again, real early in the season, but it was something that I I was thinking about is like Brad Stevens' teams have historically shot a lot of three pointers. Uh, and I don't know if we want this specific team shooting as many three-pointers just because I don't know, I'm don't i not as confident in their ability to make it, you know, after only watching 24 minutes of <laughs> Well, I, you know, I agree with Hayward. He, he does like to take the take threes off the dribble a little bit more. But that's, that's fine. A good shooter is a good shooter. And he'll, he'll find his way. He only took two. He missed them both. Uh, Jason Tatum is not a three-point shooter, but his shot looked terrible tonight. Uh, he'll figure it out. Kyrie didn't shoot particularly great, but he'll figure it out. I have I have faith in those guys to figure out their shooting. It's not going to look this bad for for very long. So, yeah, I can see the concern after this. I think a lot of these shots, it just it just wasn't the type of offense that we're going to see moving forward. We might not even see this level of offense as far as lack of timing, some of the, the passes that are made. We're not, we might not even see that on Friday. So as we move forward, guys will be more settled into, okay, I, I, I will just take this shot that, rather than pass. Because a lot of times we saw Hayward and Kyrie especially pass up shots and try to work the ball around some more. And, and those are the guys that I'm sure once they look at the film tomorrow – they're going to say, Brad's going to say, you're, you're here to score. You're here to put those shots up. And rather than work the ball around again, shoot it earlier in the shot clock. It's almost, I don't want to 
sound like he's going to go full D'Antoni, but when they get a good look, they need to take the good looks. So that's the whole point of the offense. Whether the good look comes with 20 seconds on the shot clock or two seconds on the shot clock, once it presents itself, take it. That's why they gave those guys that much money. That's why they gave up so much to trade for Kyrie Irving. So we'll see, I think, moving forward, uh, a little more emphasis on those guys being more aggressive. So I'm not too worried about that. And once they become more aggressive, those shots are going to start to fall. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I agree. And I also agree with the notion that they're overpassing just because it's the first time out. You want to kind of, we're building a team here, building team identity. But you're right. Those two, um, especially Gordon and Kyrie, are the main guys who you're going to rely on to score points. And I expect them to be more aggressive and a little bit more selfish um, with Horford playing more of a facilitation role. I thought it was interesting. I didn't exactly track it for the entire second half, but in my notes, it seemed like the. Um, Stevens was staggering uh, Hayward and I, Irving, so there was no minutes, at least in the first half, where neither of them were on the floor. That's exactly what I expected um, Stevens to do, and that's what I think he should do, just because um, the Celtics are going to need to create scoring at all times, so why not have one of your players on the floor who can just do that uh, no matter what? The second unit, I thought, did uh, an all-right job. They had some interesting lineups with... Um, three guards, Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, and Kyrie Irving, but I just like the idea of staggering. It's what I would have done if the if Isaiah Thomas and Gordon Hayward on the team, just be able to have two guys who can uh, immediately go to offense, so there are no lulls uh, in the offense area is uh, kind of the ideal scenario. Yeah, and one thing to also keep in mind is no Marcus Morris, so that that's a key player that they're going to need, and he I think once this trial ends and I saw tonight that they're going into jury deliberations. So hopefully tomorrow we'll get an acquittal, which is always so weird to say, you know, hopefully this guy gets acquitted so we can come play basketball for us. But once that's all squared away, we can have Marcus Morris back and hell, maybe he might be ready to play by Friday for all we know. I'm sure he's out there, you know, working out still and, and, I'm sure the Celtics have been in contact with him and letting him know certain things to, to watch for and to work on. And I'm, I'm sure he was watching the game tonight, and he'll have a conversation with the guys tomorrow. But once that's all squared away, you'll have a better idea of where Morris fits. Is he going to start? Which brings up the, the, the question of Aaron Baines, who played really well tonight. I thought he did a lot of good things, but... There were times where I saw him playing pick and roll with uh, Kyrie Irving, and I was starting to see a lot of the same tendencies that we saw with Tristan Thompson and Kyrie Irving. And that right elbow mid-range jumper off the pick and roll is something that Kyrie loved to do or did a lot with Tristan Thompson. And I saw it start to come out again with, with Aaron Baines. So I'd like to see Kyrie out there more with uh, – Marcus Morris and, and playing that with Morris or Horford than Baines. So I'm still kind of up in the air, even though Baines played really well, and he, I think he's going to be a contributor this year, and I think Boston fans are really going to like him. Yeah, Baines isn't the typical kind of role big that you would uh, throw lobs to, and he's not the guy who would space the floor, but I thought he did a good job of the pick and pop and just knocking down the shots that he needed to. Uh, I think that there's going to be – they better get Morris back because there's going to be a real issue uh, with size. That Baines ran into four fouls rather early, setting a lot of KG-style illegal screens early, which I'd like to see. 
uh, he's already like kind of winning the over the goon crowd. And um, but they're going to have a problem with that if the, he's their only size, because I feel like you're, you're just going to naturally rack up fouls if you're kind of the, the one physical presence on the team. So you're right. I think Morris is going to um, uh, his return will have a, a positive impact on the Celtics. But I like what I saw from Baines tonight. I mean, everyone liked what they saw from Baines tonight, according to uh, Tommy Heinsohn. Yeah. <laughs> he's as big as Australia. He's like all of Australia. He's really put together. <laughs> Oh man, I wish I heard that live. Oh my god, it's glorious. I look, I, I I get so many funny reactions to that when I tweeted out the actual quote. But man, it's how can you not love that? How can you not love see, hearing that? It's such a great, it's just a, such a great line. Uh, uh, before we uh, wax poetic about more about the uh, size of Aaron Baines's member, um, <laughs> what'd you think about the second half where uh, the big three sat? Marcus Smart also sat for the entire second half. Um, what are your kind of bigger biggest takeaways from kind of the the second unit? Uh, I I think well obviously Tice is he has NBA level skills. Uh, we'll see. I mean, after what do you play? Fourteen minutes, not even. It's still a lot left to be seen. But look, he he took a three comfortably, coolly. Uh, obviously, he was going up for those dunks. He missed a couple, but he's aggressively trying to dunk everything, which is good. Uh, and so, and and he put the ball on the floor and got it to the rim, drew a foul. So I, I like I like seeing that. I think he could be a guy. I've been saying a little bit more lately, especially watch for Tice to maybe creep his way into the rotation, where I think he was an afterthought, and we didn't really talk about him a lot this summer. You start seeing him in the EuroLeague games, and you start to understand that he understands basketball pretty well, and he has some legitimate NBA-level skill. I think I think that was most impressive. Not that I expect – I mean, I'm on Twitter crowning him as the MVP and unanimous rookie of the year, but I think moving forward he's actually going to be a, a potentially like a solid contributor. We're looking for bench help. We're looking to see who's going to step up, and he's going to be a guy that can – can do a lot of things. He, he he can stretch the floor. You're gonna have to respect him, and if teams don't, he'll hit. He'll he can hit that three. So uh, I liked that. Uh, I loved Gershon Yabusele's energy. He had uh, one sequence where he was just he kept the entire play alive and just out there swatting things and just keeping the ball alive. And the Celtics scored on that, and he ended up getting six rebounds, which is nice. The Celtics need rebounding. So uh, I liked him, and you know I, I thought Shane Larkin had a, a decent game. I I'm kind of curious to see what he's gonna how he's going to fit, but he has NBA level skill, so he might be a guy that we can turn to in a pinch. Yeah, I think uh, I mean noting that it's all relative, and the the Celtics were playing against the kind of the second unit of the Charlotte Hornets. I thought it was just nice to see um, productive minutes from. Not only Shane Larkin, I thought Abdul Nader yeah. uh, did some nice things. Jabari Bird, I think you, he's the type of guy where you can put him in in any situation. He's going to be able to knock down shots. Maybe I just have more of a Jabari Bird belief than the rest, but I think he's just a solid 14th, 13th man to have on the roster. As for the the Tice, I think he's, in terms of like the power rankings of kind of the, the bench bigs, we're hoping to step up. He's ahead of Yabu right now just for her, his kind of knowledge of the game and his, his IQ and his ability and the comfort in which he knocked down that uh, that three. That's huge for the kind of Brad Stevens five-out system where so many of the plays start with 
the five getting the ball at the top of the key and kind of the action starts from there. And if he can really create space and get the other team's center out, I think that's a huge asset. Um, in person, I, I don't, I didn't remember the Yabu moment that you uh, are talking about. I wasn't incredibly impressed with Yabu other than the fact that he's a giant human he's being. Very big. And it's like very, very startling in person. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to see more from him um, just moving forward, just see more minutes. And the thing I liked, uh, another thing I liked about the second half is it felt like Jason Tatum um, was able to calm down a little bit. It felt like in the first half he was a bit of a, a bit antsy, didn't really know what exactly what to plays to make. And, there's just one play where he had a shorter defender on him and he just nailed like an, a mid-range jumper from the, um, from the baseline. It just feels like at any point in time, if there's a switch and he gets a smaller defender from him, it's, it feels like it's an automatic basket. So I just like to Tatum being able to settle down a little bit and they get the rhythm of the game going and score some points and make some nice plays. And that's just what you want to see from him because the first half he struggled a little bit, but um, it's always nice to see him st- um, bounce back from that. Yeah, look, again, he it's tough for a rookie. He had, yeah, he had the Summer League, but the Summer League is basically an extension of college. It's all rookies and guys who have been out of the league. To come in here and put that Celtics jersey on for the first time, step onto that parquet for the first time in a game, you know, playing against NBA-level competition. And the Hornets are... Not a great team, but they They're not terrible. They're though. they're not terrible. They're Michael Kidd Gilchrist is a fantastic defender. They'll right. They'll be a they'll be a playoff team. Which I don't know might not be saying much in the East. But look, they're out there with NBA level guys that that uh Tatum hasn't seen before. So when it comes down to getting out there, different speed, game speed is always different no matter how hard you practice. Game speed is always different, and there's no whistles in practice like in practice to stop things when you screw up. When you screw up, there are consequences. So there's a learning curve for sure. And you know he had he had one play in the beginning, in the first half where he had Yabusele. Uh, there was a, a steal, a turnover. It was a two on one, and he went. He drew the foul, but. The play was to give it to Yabusele, and Yabu knew it. He was calling for it. It was supposed to be a lob. He was going up for the lob, and Tatum just took it to the rim. Luckily, he drew the foul. In the second half, he actually threw the, the, the alley-oop to Daniel, Daniel Tice at that point, and that was the right play. It's same situation, but that was the right play. So even within the game, he's calmed down and started to pick things up and, and understand you got to make this play when it presents itself. So we'll see. I don't know what he's going to be, but there's no doubt that Jason Tatum was finding was feeling the jitters through through the at least the first half of the game. His shots, his misses, you can tell when somebody is is way like really not doing well when the misses look horrible. We've seen him shoot well. We've seen him put the ball in the basket. The his shot. It would be like, I mean, any one of us going out there trying to shoot in an NBA game. It was just way, it was way too hard, way too short, just way out of it. Nothing made sense for him. So I think he'll calm down eventually, and it'll it'll come. Yeah, no, it was funny. We were watching uh, the his family, his mom, his dad, and his grandmother were right behind us in uh, press row. So we could like you could feel the emotion during the game, and they they were 
uh, none too pleased with the the effort. Well, I don't want to say they were none too pleased, but they you could feel kind of the energy in them trying to wheel the ball in the basket, and there were some ugly plays. But it's kind of like the anti-Marcus Smart because um, Marcus Smart can uh, knock down four threes in a row and then throw up some real ugly <laughs> shots. And it doesn't really matter. Slim Marcus, man, is it's it's a thing now, and it's I don't know. Here's the debate: uh, Is it skinny Marcus or is it slim Marcus? Hmm. I've been going with skinny Marcus, but I'm not married to it. I'm a big slim Marcus fan, um, just because I'm a huge Slim Charles fan from The Wire. Uh-huh. But uh, I don't know. I think I can go either way at this point. But uh, what do you think of his just general? Marcus game he didn't have the crazy impact winnings plays but he seemed like he wasn't at like he was able to play his normal post defense he was able to knock down some threes I thought Marcus uh had a, a decent game a decent first half yeah I, I would agree with that he I thought he did pretty well uh he the, the shooting was kind of fun uh the, the couple of heat checks he still needs to be more selective and it's funny because I was listening to Danny Ainge on the Bob Ryan podcast, and he said of Marcus, first of all, he said the conditioning was the most important thing for Marcus. And secondly, he said Marcus needs to be a singles hitter, that he needs to stop going for the spectacular play, and he needs to understand that you got to just go out and, and make the solid play every time, and you'll be fine. Now, some of the threes that he took were the solid play, you know, play is broken, the, the defense is broken down, and it comes out to you, catch and shoot three, boom. The spectacular play, Marcus, where his and, – and, and maybe you just can't ever get rid of this because he just feels like he can do so many great things on the floor that this might be the, one of those things that you, you accept it because with this attitude comes all the other great stuff that he does. But those heat checks, man, they got to go away. And – Every once in a while, he shows some restraint, and there were a couple of times he had the ball all alone, above the break, dribbling, and I said, oh, this sucker's going up, and he didn't, which was nice. It was nice to see, but I think overall, it was a nice, solid game. He made some, he did some good things. He was out there. I, I think he did some of the impact-winning plays type of things, but uh, he, got, he, he got switched onto some bigs every once in a while, and he did okay. So I thought it was a overall solid game for Marcus. And look, three for seven from three, not bad. Now I, I would like to see Marcus, you know, try to get to the rim a little bit more. But again, early, only played not even fourteen minutes. So I'm willing to like wait and see and not make that judgment after just one half of uh, preseason basketball. Nope, that's not how this works. We have to decide how his season oh, is right. going to be okay. based yep. on 14 Sorry. minutes. Sorry. He's going to be a 40% three-point shooter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, get, I, lose, I, I lose sight of that stuff. Well, uh, we're not back in the – it's preseason for us too, so the hot takes Yeah, are, uh, yeah, yeah. I got to load up the hot take cannon a little bit more readily if I'm going to make it in this business. Um, all right. Well, do you have any uh, jams junk? Oh, I got plenty of jams. Oh, hit me with the junk drawer. All right. First off, welcome to the jungle. Still sucks. Uh. I'm so glad that we went through this whole uh, Twitter poll and for our own Jay King to just not have any fun and not create a new song. Still a terrible song. Um, Let's see. Gordon Hayward plays with very little emotion, but also a little smile on his face. And it's kind of creepy. Uh, (laughs) Um. 
Dwight Howard had a block early, and it's just never fun when Dwight Howard does something good. Um, and it's just really fun how much the crowd hates him. I just he's it's it's a he's reached a sad point in his career where it's just getting booed everywhere and just not the same guy he used to be. But um, I enjoyed I enjoyed the vitriol the crowd had for Dwight Howard. He's trash right now. I can't stand uh, watching him. Believe me, the, the people in the section behind me let him know that. Um, I thought an underrated moment of the game was when you tweeted that you had your second algasm, and then Anna Horford <laughs> tweeted at you, you guys have to stop using that term. That's just that's just good old-fashioned Twitter fun. Yeah, that, that, um, was, that, was, that was Let's good. see. Marcus Smart is kind of, like, disturbingly slim. Like, <laughs> he's a completely different person. He looks like he may be the victim of a famine. Um, it was just very, like, I know I had seen it, uh, all the videos of it, but in person, it's really, uh, something else. He's, it's, it's bizarre. Um, during one of the timeouts, they did this cool video where, uh, some of the Celtics, Red Sox, Patriots, Revolutions, and Bruins were doing, talking about, uh, taking the lead. And it was just about like an anti-racism and discrimination. Oh yeah. I heard about um, that. In the crowd. And it was an awesome video and it was like cool for a Boston sports team to kind of show that uh, video out there. I thought it was uh, really effective. People cheered, and I was um, somewhat proud to be a Boston sports fan for a change. You know, yeah, That's an important message. I, I do want to echo that sentiment because it really is up to us as fans, as p- people who are in the arena. If you hear any of that bullshit, then you got to stand up, you got to call them out, you got to report it. Get those people out of here. We don't want a few bad apples ruining things for the rest of us. There are though that element exists. We know that now. So stand up, say something, get those jerks out of the the arena, and let's all enjoy a game together as one big happy Celtics family. Okay, continue with the jump drill. Right on. Um, Kyrie didn't exactly show it tonight, but you can just tell when he gets like a dribbling move going, just like the energy in the crowd that's like swells. It's going to be amazing when when he gets like when he really gets on fire one of the games, like he did against the Celtics last year in the playoffs, just like the, the, the way he can dominate the crowd and just dominate the game just by like dribble moves alone is amazing. Um, Terry Rozier from the corner, uh, the uh, Eddie Palandito saying Terry Rozier, the third. Oh, <laughs> fantastic. If only you can say Tito Rozier, the third or Tito three, Tito sticks. three sticks. I I'm all on board with Tito three sticks. I, I feel like it, the groundswell is building now. We're only at game negative one, so <laughs> we're, we're getting there. Uh, a lot of the Celtics were there. I mean, the Red Sox were there. Hanley Ramirez cool. wearing sunglasses inside. Looked very cool. I was big team Hanley there. Um, and let's see. Oh, during uh, – so Asha Rod Blakely of CSN does a bunch of video posts during the game, and I um, I had to dab behind him because I was directly in the I shot. I see that. Uh, I just want to say that um, – I need a haircut, guys. I I know that now after seeing the video, uh, and I'm going to get one this week, and I apologize. Um, I mean, I don't apologize for dabbing. That needed to be done, but I apologize for taking my rat's nest of a head and putting it on camera like that. And then, finally, I just saw a highlight of Dennis Smith Jr. dunking in warm-ups in, uh, before the Mavericks game. Damn, that dude can jump. He needs to be in the dunk contest right away. I'll retweet it. You, you can look for it on my timeline, but Oh, my God, Dennis Smith Jr. can dunk. Yeah, uh, I saw a couple of those in Vegas for Summer League, and that was he, – he is a super athlete. There's no doubt about that. He is a super athletic kid. So he'll have, he'll have plenty of highlights 
you know, and he seems like he's going to be a pretty good player. But, yeah, he's going to be a dude that you're going to see retweeted onto timelines throughout the season probably. Yeah, and it him and uh, Daniel Tice. Tice is nice. <laughs> Tice, is the, Tice is the spice of life. Love it. Uh, all right. I think that's good. I think it's an appropriate level of Celtics uh, enthusiasm for – uh, the first game of the preseason. Oh, I want to address one thing. I was asked, and I said, I'll mention this in the podcast. People keep asking about the backs of the jerseys. They look weird. I know that they look weird. That is a design element of the Nike uniform that is uni- universal to all NBA uniforms. So when you watch a game, just pop on any other NBA game, all of the NBA jerseys do that weird thing in the back. I know it's not something that you're used to, but it's a technological thing. It's improved flexibility. It just doesn't impair a, a player when he puts his arms up over his head to shoot, grab a rebound, whatever. It's just added flexibility and part of Nike's technology. So every team has it. It's not a design thing it, as far as an aesthetic thing. There's science behind it. I don't know what the science is, but there's science behind it, and that's what it is. So we're just going to have to get used to it. Okay, that's it. Celtics win 94-80 to in game one of the preseason, one of four preseason games. The second is on Friday at 7 p.m. in Philadelphia. So uh, we'll be talking to you again tomorrow, reacting to the team's reaction to this, and getting ready for the next game, and hopefully we'll have some Marcus Morris news moving forward. I want to thank everybody. If you are a subscriber, thank you. And I will thank you in advance. If you haven't done this for rating us five stars and leaving us a good review, that is a form of payment. Spread the word. We like to ask you to spread the word and tell five friends, just tell five Celtics friends that you have that aren't listening to this podcast, spread the word and let them know that this is where you get your daily Celtics fix. If you are not a subscriber, And this is your first time. I want to say welcome aboard. Thank you for uh, finally realizing that this is the place you need to be for all your Celtics talk. Subscribe. And if you need to search Locked On Celtics wherever you get us, Spotify has us. You can ask Alexa to play the Locked On Celtics podcast. Alexa will do that for you because that's how cool we are. All right. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. This has been the Locked On Celtics podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.